Oh, you can have a seat. Whenever, uh, whenever you have someone over, uh, does it? You get stressed out. Does anybody kind of stress out when you have people over to your house? I know this isn't my house, but I'm, uh, I'm, I'm kind of stressed out a little bit today. Uh, and I, I thought, what do I want this morning to, you know, uh, how do I want it to feel? And uh, and I would, I gotta tell you, I'm getting dressed, p- picking out what clothes I wore today. It was a job. Yeah, um, I had uh, I had blue, sh- uh, let's see, blue pants and a button-up shirt that looked really nice. I was going to tuck it in. I thought, it's a special occasion. I'm going to dress a little nicer. And I thought, no, I want it to be a kind of a fun, relaxing environment. So I changed into jeans and put on a, a different shirt. And then Jen told me it didn't look good. And so I tried again. And I thought about my undershirt. Do I want it untucked or tucked in? And that depends. That varies what shirt I wear. I know it's it's a mess. And and I was all ready to go. And, and I thought, well, my brown shoes are kind of dirty. And people might see my shoes. And and I don't know if I have socks that match my pants, but they match my shoes. Is that okay? Like, oh, it was, it was stressful. And I finally had everything ready. I, had, I didn't have this on. I had uh, jeans and a, and a long sleeve black shirt that I thought, it's nice enough. It you know, looks nice, but it's also relaxing. And, uh, and then uh, my daughter Harper said, Dad, you wore that last week. I was like, no, I didn't. So I got, on, I got on Facebook and looked at last week's video, and I had that shirt on last week. It was stressful. So I decided to find some middle ground. I hope I don't look too dressed up. I want to be relaxed, but I also just, you know, don't want to look sloppy either. Um, but anyway, then I thought, okay, now I'm ready. I'm ready with my clothes. I'm good. But my sermon, I've been working on this, but I just I need to tweak it a little bit because uh, how do I want it to come across? And I thought I, I, want, it, I want it to be uh, relaxing, but it needs to be really good because I only have one shot. You know, usually first service doesn't go very well, um, then people let me know, and then I work on it, and then the second service is uh, hopefully a little better, and I thought, well, I only have one shot today, so if I mess it up, and then, then I thought, well, you know what, I only have, I only have one bad sermon then, if, if it's bad, so that was good, and then I thought even more, like, well, we have a meal, no one's going to remember anything I say today, you're, you're going to be fed, you're going to go home and talk about how good the food was, not how good the sermon was, so uh, yeah, so that actually took some pressure off of me. It's not been that relaxing today, but today I hope to make this kind of fun, relaxing. It is a celebration. I chose a a text, though, today, uh, a long time ago, based off of our New Testament reading plan. We've been going through five chapters a week the entire year, and every single week there's been something in in those five chapters that I believe would speak to the congregation, that would speak to us. Where we, are, where we are right now, and then I thought, well, the Family Life Center, what if there's nothing in Hebrews that's about the building in, in these five chapters? And uh, stayed in the, in the reading, I found a text that I think helps to affirm where we are right now, as well as a guide uh, to how we can move forward as a church. Um, it's actually the, the text that was just read a little bit ago. Um, but before I get there, I thought I would uh, share this story. There was a man who worked all of his life to save his money. He loved money more than anything. But just before he died, he said to his wife, when I die, I want you to take all my money and put it in the casket with me. I want to take it with me to the afterlife. I I really want that. So the wife promised that she would. At his funeral, uh, just before the undertakers closed the casket, um, his wife put a, a box in the casket. The undertakers closed it and rolled it away. The wife's friend said, I know you weren't foolish enough to 
to put all that money in there with that man, were you? She said, well, I, I promised him I would. You mean to tell me that you put all that money in the casket to close it? I sure did. I wrote him a check. Hmm. All right, a little less, uh, a little less funny here. Um, I, I read this quote, and I think will help us to get on track. Uh, fa- failure is being successful at the things that don't matter. Yeah, failure is being successful at the things that don't matter. Today we're going to talk about keeping things in correct order. Uh, the importance of, of keeping things uh, at the top that should be at the top and, and in order. But the truth is, it's very hard to make decisions. It, it is. It's challenging sometimes. Um, so I thought we're going to actually play a game a little bit later during the program, but I thought why not just start the games early. Um, have you ever played Would You Rather? Uh, it's a, a game where you just have two choices and you have to pick one. You can't land in the middle, no compromise. It's one or the other. And so we're going to play Would You Rather. I just have five of them that I thought were okay. And, uh, and just I'll have you raise your hand, but I'll give you the whole thing first. Would you rather talk like Yoda the rest of your life or breathe like Darth Vader the rest of your life? So if you'd rather talk like Yoda the rest of, the, of your life, raise your hand. Okay, yeah, hands down. Darth Vader, breathe like Darth Vader. Yeah, I bet, I bet uh, if you're married, your spouse will hate you at night, but maybe you already sound like that. Uh, would you rather have 100 duck-sized elephants, so cute little duck-sized elephants, or one uh, elephant-sized duck, a giant duck? So who would like to have the 100 little elephants? Raise your hand. That's going to be a mess, I'm telling you. All right, who wants the one duck? Yep, giant duck, that'd be fun. All right, uh, would you rather wear a clown wig or wear clown shoes every day the rest of your life? Who would, who would put the wig on? Clown wig, okay, clown shoes? Yep, all right. Uh, would you rather uh, be without knees or elbows and, and all the functions that you have with that? So who would rather not have knees? Just, yep, okay, who would rather not have elbows? I don't know if everyone's hands are going up or not, but it is fun to see how you're thinking here. All right, and last one, would you rather be the clown that distracts the bull or the cowboy who rides the bull? Who would rather be the clown? Just a few of you. Who would rather ride the bull? Now, some of you didn't raise your hands, but uh, <laughs> you got to be in there. <laughs> yep, it was, it was like when I was picking out my clothes yesterday. There wasn't a right or wrong. Sometimes when we have to make a decision, uh, we just don't know uh, what to do, and, and we need help with that. It's not always good, better, best. Uh, we have a lot of good choices. Well, many years ago, uh, I was, I'm going to say you, um, I was here, but I wasn't a part of, of the decision, but, but some people here uh, were here and had to make a big decision uh, whether we should build this family life center or not. Uh, it wasn't easy. Whether you were for or against it, I'm sure that many were afraid of the unknown. What would the building be used for? Uh, what impact would it have? Would it impact the other building financially? Can, can we do this? I know there was a lot of uh, discussion and a lot of fears, um, but today as we reflect on the Family Life Center and we continue to move forward, I, I want to share a section of the Bible that I believe helps affirm where we are today and should help us going ahead. 
And so I'm going to start then in Hebrews chapter 3, beginning at verse 1. And, and I know this is kind of a, you're almost like getting the climax of, of this at the very beginning, but it starts off very powerful. Here, here it goes. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. How do we make decisions? Fix your eyes on Jesus. That's where it starts. Now, what does that look like? He says here, uh, not what it looks like yet. We will get to that. But why? Why would we, in, in making our decisions, maybe not in what we're going to wear today, but in a big decision, maybe in uh, how we're going to try to serve the kingdom, uh, how do we start? Fix your eyes on Jesus, who, he says, is the representative, as the apostle, the representative uh, from God to us. You want to know God? Look to Jesus. You, you say, I want to follow God's will. I don't know what God's will in my life is. I don't know what my purpose is. And he says right here, then look to Jesus. You'll find it. And who also is a man's representative to God as the high priest. We, we, don't, we don't always know uh, if God hears us, if he's listening to us, if, he's, if he wants to answer us. Well, where's this bridge at? Well, it's Jesus. Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. You want the way? You want the truth? You want a fulfilling life? It's right here. Fix your eyes on Jesus. He's the bridge, both to God and to God's will. So he gives us, um, he gives us a filter in making decisions. How do we know if we're making the right decision? Uh, the next verse, very quickly, he was faithful. He was faithful. All right. Well, that's a starting place. But what does that mean? He was faithful to the one who appointed him, just as Moses was faithful in all God's house. I love that he brings Moses up, because honestly, we're, we're more like Moses than Jesus. Yeah, we're, we're, not, we're not the son of God. We're not God in the flesh. But we're, like, we're kind of like Moses. Jesus had been found worthy of greater honor than Moses, just as the builder of a house has greater honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but God is the builder of everything. All right, so what he does here, what the author does here is he compares Jesus to Moses, and this was meant to be a compliment. See, back then it was a little bit different. If you were to uh, compliment someone who was respected or, or compare someone who was respected, you know, then people would say, yeah, that's really nice. Now, today we don't really do that. You know, people say, well, you're either the goat, the greatest of all time, or you're not. You know, is it, is it LeBron or Jordan? Raise your hand if it's LeBron. Yeah, all right, <laughs> that's good. Uh, maybe, I think there might have been a secret hand that went halfway up. But, but that's how it is. Uh, t today, we, when we compare, you're like, well, I'm not like that person. I'm better than that person. No, that's not what it was. He, even though we know Jesus is greater than Moses, this was a compliment. See, Moses was thought of by the Jews as, as first or only second to Abraham. But the writer quickly says, nope. That's great. These guys are wonderful, but now Jesus is better. And, and he talks about him as the creator. And then we get to this wordplay, and this is a, a lot of why I chose this text today. He, he talks about the house. In, in verse 2, it's definitely specifically the household, not the building itself, but the people. And then in verses 3 and 4, it, it might be about the people or it might be about the building, and we're going to come back to that. Um, so verse 5, 
Moses was faithful as a servant in all God's house, bearing witness to what would be spoken by God in the future. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are his house, if indeed we hold firmly to our confidence and the hope in which we glory. All right. I said it'd be nice to be compared to Moses, um, at least from, from our standpoint. It, this is a compliment because Moses, uh, the word here, the, I don't use this a lot, but the Greek word here is servant. Um, uh, for servant is uh, not the word that's usually used when you think of a servant or a slave. See, the word here, it actually means a voluntary, a voluntary servant who acts because of affection. In the New Testament, it's the only used word. It's, it's only used for Moses. It's not used for any other servant. When we think of other servants, it's a slave. It's someone who has to be a servant. They were born that way or they were forced into that. In this context here, Moses is choosing to be a servant. See, because if you know the story of Moses, he resisted God's call on his life. He did not want to follow him. Why? I think about Canaan, the, the, uh, going, leaving, leaving uh, Canaan, like he had to leave his, his, his hometown. He had to leave his people. He had to leave his family. He's, he's elderly. Um, I'm th- actually, I, I just mixed up something here. I was with the, going back and forth with Abraham and Moses. Uh, let's just stay with Moses for now. Why did, why did Moses resist? I, I think it was the fear of the unknown. I mean, think about his childhood um, and having to leave his family and being put, uh, put with the, the other people, with the Egyptians, and, and then they're in slavery, and, now, and then they're out, and, and is he really the leader? Is he the right person? You, you know why he felt a little hesitant? Insecurities. The same reasons we feel hesitant. God wants me to do this. God wants me to lead this program. God wants me to start this ministry, not me. No, people know me. I know myself. I can't do that. Just like Moses. Fear of the unknown. But once he surrendered, once he said, you know what, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. Then he was a servant by choice. He was acting in love, and he was faithful. Maybe we've been in that point in our lives. Maybe you're there right now. I want to follow God, but I don't know how, and I don't think I'm the right person. In our faith, in our, in our following, uh, in our commitments, the truth is, individually, we'll be here, and as a, as a group, we might be here as well. As a church, we might feel that's not what God put us here for, and we might disagree. And, and that, that happens. When the Family Life Center was discussed, I was young enough uh, to not be a part of the decisions, but I was old enough to know that not everyone agreed uh, with building this building. Um, maybe some still don't agree with it. Maybe some came around. Maybe some left. Uh, I, I don't know. But all I know is when we're on the same page, we can move forward a lot better. We can move forward together and be a lot more effective. And, and again, I'm, I'm going to come back to this again. I keep saying that because there's just so much. But when we get to the end, that's what we're going to focus on. But there's a much bigger idea uh, from this text this morning. Uh, see, Moses and Jesus, the comparison. It, it, can, it came down to something that we got to see happen and then something that we're living in right now. With, with Moses, the uh, Israelites were in slavery. They were, uh, they were slaves to the Egyptians, and then all of a sudden, now they're free. And, and you think, they're free, that's great, everything's perfect. Well, they go to the promised land. But the problem was that time in between there, uh, when they were wandering. For 40 years, they wandered, and only two people got to enter the promised land, Caleb and Joshua. Why? 
Why not everyone else? Caleb and Joshua trusted God, God's promises. But you know what? When I think about it, it did not take Caleb and Joshua out of that wandering. They still wandered much of their lives before they entered the promised land. With Jesus, we're in our sin, we're slaves to sin, and now we're free. When you accept Jesus as your Savior and Lord, you're free. We go to the promised land, but not yet. Until then, things aren't perfect. We're wandering. I don't know if it's 40 years or 80 years, however long your life is, or until Jesus returns, we are wandering, and it's not fun. We have heartaches, we have, we have uh, relationship issues, we have job issues, we have health issues. It doesn't go well. Not everything's perfect. I don't have to tell you this. You're living through something right now that you wish you weren't living through. But who will enter the promised land? Just like Caleb and Joshua, the ones who trust God's promises. That's who will enter the promised land. The one who trusts God's promise through Jesus, that if we would put our faith in him, then we will be saved. It doesn't take us out of the wondering now, but it sure is something to look forward to. So the builder is Jesus. Now we're going to talk about the house. In verses 3 to 6, I mentioned this a little bit, the house is used six times, the word house, and it it refers mostly to God's people or the household, the people who make up the church, not the building itself. But if you go back to the Old Testament, there's uh, there's this dual usage of the word house. It's in 2 Samuel 7, and I'm just going to paraphrase this a little bit. David, King David, the one who killed Goliath, he wanted to build a temple for God. And so he makes this commitment, we're going to build a building for you. You know what God did? God said, I'm actually going to build a household through your people. I'm going to build something through your line of descendants. That's, that means something. I think it, it kind of means that what's most important to us is not always what's most important to God. Sometimes we get distracted and we keep those priorities out of order. Or we get, they get out of order. Now, we would have been fine without this Family Life Center. We would have been okay. But God brings us into his family not based on what we do, not because we did this. On the other hand, I'm walking the fence here just a little bit. I believe God wants to honor our faithfulness, your faithfulness. Uh, there's a reason that we're celebrating today because this is a big deal. In Romans 8, 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. As Christians, we've been called according to his purpose. How do we know what that is? Look to Jesus. What did Jesus tell us to do? Make disciples, share the gospel in all nations. That's our purpose. And this is a great thing if we would just keep it in order. See, we have to remember that there is a, a best and a better and a good. And, and I'm just going to start with the best first instead of working up. Jesus has to be greater than us. When we love people more than we love God, that doesn't go well. Yeah, we, we have this grace and truth thing that, uh, that, that we value. And I remember Mark talking about this. And it, it, when we value people more than God, then we lose the truth. We start to focus on just making people happy. And then we're not really a church honoring God. But the people have to be more important than the building. We are greater than this building. Without this building, uh, we would be fine. Without the people, we're nothing. The building would sit. Now, we're not celebrating 
because this building is useless. We're celebrating because it has become such a wonderful and useful tool, an investment for this community. And the truth is maybe we can reach other people more effectively because of what we have. We need each other. I think about D.L. Moody was visiting a man in Chicago, and, and they talked about this idea of church involvement. And the man said, I believe I can be just as good a Christian outside the church as I can be inside it. Moody said nothing. Instead, he moved to the fireplace. He removed one burning coal. I don't think he used his fingers. That would have hurt. But he used something to remove the coal. And he put it on, on the side of the fireplace. He put it on the edge by itself. And the two men, they sat together. And they watched the single ember of coal die out while the, all the others continued to burn. I see, the other man said. We can be on fire far greater and far longer as a congregation, as the body of Christ, the people, than we would ever be individually. We can accomplish so much more together. The building will not bring people here, but you can. We can. The building is useful, but our priorities have to be in proper order. We know everything, uh, everything we celebrate is, is that God has allowed us to partner with him to share this life-changing hope of Jesus with the world. And today we celebrate our faithfulness to God, but in a, in a much bigger way, we celebrate God's faithfulness to us. This past summer, uh, there was uh, the first Field of Dreams game. I think it was the first Major League Baseball game ever played in Iowa. Colin, you own that field, don't you? Is that right? Uh, I think Colin's grandma owned the property that the field was built on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so basically, we have the owner of the Field of Dreams field in here today. Um, but uh, in that movie, there's a line in there that everyone probably knows, if, if, even if you haven't seen the movie. It's, if you build it, they will come. If you build this field, the people will come. I don't know. I think sometimes that's our thought process. If we build the building, the people will come. Maybe there's a little bit to that, but I don't think that's what will keep people, at least. Maybe more people will come, but I don't think you're going you're gonna to grow just through a building. So what, what do we grow through? The things that are greater. Remember the order? The building is great. We've got something to bring people to. But it has to be us that invites people, and we have to share even the, things that, the, the thing that is greater than us, who is Jesus. That's the only thing that will bring and keep people here and at least have any meaning, meaning at all. So we have to keep asking ourselves, why? Why does this building matter so much? What are we celebrating? Nancy Ortberg shared a story about her daughter. She said, one evening, my oldest daughter came home from a Sunday evening worship service. She had been deeply affected by the experience and in response had written on a piece of paper these words, help me not to be okay just because everything is okay with me. I was so moved, she said, by what she wrote that I tacked that piece of paper on our cork board in the kitchen as a reminder that in the community, that in community, it is always we. In community, if someone else is not okay, then to some degree, I'm not okay. Help me not to be okay just because everything is okay with me. Wouldn't that be something if we all live that way? We have a huge opportunity as long as we keep things in proper order.
during the 1960 presidential campaign, John F. Kennedy almost always closed the speeches uh, with a story of Colonel Davenport, the Speaker of the Connecticut House of Representatives. And it was just like this. One day in 1789, the sky of Hartford, Hartford darkened, and some of the representatives glancing out the windows feared that the end was at hand. Some called for immediate adjournment, but Davenport rose and said, the day of judgment is either approaching or it is not. If it is not, there is no cause for adjournment. If it is, I choose to be found doing my duty. Therefore, I wish that candles be brought. No matter what we're working towards as a church, whether it was this Family Life Center, uh, whether it's remodeling, whether it's improving our online presence, uh, whether it's uh, um, starting a new ministry or a new program, whatever we're doing, we have to keep working to put first things first. It's so easy to get distracted by buildings and programs. We can't do that. We have to remember that we are here to share this hope of Jesus with the world. He has to be our top priority within and outside of the church. We can't start with the, with the building or the people. But what does it mean to follow Jesus? Because when we start with the building, we focus too much on the building, and people, oh, that's all they hear about. Uh, well, you didn't like this, and it's going to cost this, and this is, I don't like this. Or uh, this program isn't going to, don't, I don't like the way we're doing that. We used to do it this way, or, or I like this better than what we used to do it. Who cares? If I'm outside the church and, I, and I'm living my life and I, and I hear uh, these problems, well, you guys have problems in the church too. Why would I want to go there? I got plenty of problems on my own. That can't be what it's about. Because what happens is when we start to talk about Jesus and the hope that we have in him and the love that he showed us through, uh, that God showed through his son dying on the cross for our sins, when, we, when people start to hear that and they think, well, I've got problems, but this sounds like it's a lot bigger. This sounds like it actually might be helpful. When Jesus is first in our conversations, in our lives, not just here on Sunday morning, but when we leave this building, then maybe someone looks at, at us and says, wow, what they have, I, I think that might be life-changing. I think I want that. That's why we're here. We celebrate the building. We celebrate the faithfulness of, of so many people, but always we celebrate God's faithfulness to us, shown through Jesus on the cross. Let's pray. Father, I thank you so much uh, for this building. I thank you uh, that we have people in it, uh, the church, uh, the, uh, the body of Christ representing you. And so I pray uh, that as we celebrate, as we look back, that we never stop looking ahead, not just for the next uh, three years or five years, uh, but for eternity. Uh, we know that none of us will be here that long. Our problems may seem huge to us, but even those will go away. And I thank you for that hope. I thank you that someday there will be no separation, that you will be with us, and there will be no more sadness or mourning or crying or pain, but a new way, a new life. And so I pray that, that as Christians, uh, we, we are um, reminded uh, daily of what that looks like and why our focus uh, can mean so much to those who don't know about this hope. I thank you again for this morning. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.